Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. My name's Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Hey, thanks for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, also known as The Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it going. If you do enjoy what you hear in the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can start by giving off as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5 we serve, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly test, you can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. And if you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at only $22 a year. For more information, you can find us at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And this podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear in the podcast, please subscribe. That way you'll never miss another episode. And now, episode 173, or I'm sorry, 174, no, 73, with Bob Lunsford. And we're talking the Orionids Meteor Shower. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. And we are discussing meteor showers, and that must mean we got Bob Lunsford back. Welcome back, Bob. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah. Now, before we get into talking about the upcoming meteor showers, why don't you just give us a little bit about the results of some of the we had during the, some of the meteor showers we had during the summertime? Well, certainly. Uh, actually, the meteor season began with the Lyrids back in April, mm-hmm. and they peaked uh, with a, a waxing crescent moon in the sky, so that means it set during the evening hours, which would be perfect. But uh, from the data I've seen, they didn't really bother showing up this year. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was out uh, the morning of the maximum and got a – my maximum hourly count was three, so – that wasn't under perfect conditions, but uh, I was able to see stars as faint of fifth magnitude. So, uh, fairly decent sky, but three just doesn't really, no. you know, cause any bells or whistles. So, I looked up the world-wide uh, data by the IMO, and it seems that the uh, shower peaked on the morning of the 23rd, as predicted, with a zenith hourly rate of 15. So if I had maybe gone to a darker site, I could have probably doubled or maybe, you know, seven or eight an hour at, at the best uh, for me. It, it actually seemed like it uh, peaked somewhere other than North America because yeah. we we just weren't well positioned for that one. Okay. So uh, 
we'll move on to the next major shower of 2023, which was the Ada Aquarius. And unfortunately, that peaked simultaneously with the full moon. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty well shot before it started. They were predicting the beginnings of a swarm of uh, particles from Halley's Comet. Uh, but you know what? Um, there was really not, none of that was seen. Uh, the ZHR was uh, 40, where normally on a, in a dark uh, dark year, it's up, up around 60 or 75. So I'm certain the moon had, had a lot to do yeah. with it. I was out for two mornings for that shower, May 5th and 6th, and my best hourly rate was four. Oh. Of course, that's under a limiting magnitude closer to four. So, okay. <laughs> so that's pretty much to be expected. So we're looking for big things from the eight Aquarius next year, as the moon will be a really slender crescent that rises just uh, just before dawn. So oh, good. very little very little interference, and we're hoping for some big numbers uh, next year for them. Okay. The uh, next major shower of 2023 was the uh, South Delta Aquarius. And unfortunately, that also peaked during a full <laughs> moon. And we got very few observations. And like I said, uh, for worldwide coverage, the best uh, ZHR I saw was 15. Oh. So not much to get excited about that. But when the uh, South Delta Aquarius are mooned, that means the Perseids are in perfect shape. Oh, that's true. So uh, we had a lot of feedback from uh, our Perseid podcast. A Good. lot of guy, a lot of uh, people uh, contacted me, and unfortunately, most of them had clouds. Oh. So uh, it seemed that uh, I, 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 I've uh, heard it before, and yeah. One of them, actually, lives in Arkansas, said, you know what? This is the rainiest August I've ever seen. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, a lot of them had clouds. Um, now, it was interesting. A very experienced uh, observer in Texas, who normally outdoes me every year, he, he only had uh, his best hour, 21 Perseids on, on the morning of Magnum. That's That's unusual. Yeah, it is. And myself, I actually drove to a dark sky, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about as good as it gets around here. Magnitude, limiting magnitude, about 6.5. Oh, my. My best hour was only 36. Hmm. So uh, That's really not, low for the Perseids. It is really low. Now, one of those sharp-eyed Europeans that always gets <laughs> really, really great numbers, he... Uh, in fact, I met uh, him uh, in the 2017 eclipse of an Idaho, and I, I guess he liked that spot so good, he came back this year to observe the Perseids from there. Oh, my. Well, he's younger than, than uh, both Terry and I, and he only saw 54 an hour. Mm. So, uh, to be honest, I think the Perseids were a little underwhelming this year, mm -hmm. despite the uh, very little moon. Mm. Um, I despite was out the for news media, huh? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we had so many so many years there in the 80s and 90s that where it was just crazy. Yeah. And I, I remember when I had young eyes back in the 70s, uh, one year produced 155. Wow. Per hour, per hour. So wow. I was I was pushing a thousand per night back then. 
So, uh, but the comet that produces all those particles has come and gone. Mm -hmm. So, to be honest, I think we can expect more of the same uh, from the Perseids. Okay. And uh, another uh, thing that was very unusual is the lack of fireballs. Um, my only fireball in the morning of maximum occurred about five minutes before I was ready to quit, <laughs> just as dawn was breaking. So, uh, and, and even that was a minus five, nothing earth shattering. Okay. Just, just your, your normal, uh, Perseid fireballs. But to be honest, uh, all, all the correspondence I got, uh, people were out watching. They, 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 some people saw fireballs mm -hmm. and the overall, uh, response was, was very, very positive. Good. So uh, I was really happy with that, and uh, I uh, all the people that contacted me, I wrote back and encouraged them to be out for the uh, next few showers, as they all, all the showers of the autumn uh, period are, are going to be great, except for the tards, which you know we you know can't can't win them all, but at least right. we have the Orionids and the Leonids and the Geminids coming up with. That's uh, true. Uh, under under good skies. That's true. So, despite the low rates, uh, a lot of people made the air for it, and most of them were satisfied. So good. So, shall we talk about upcoming meteor showers? Let's do that. Okay, the next one will be the Orionids. Yay! And like the Eta Aquarians, they're produced by the particles of Halley's comet. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> whereas. Whereas we see the uh, eight Aquarius only during the morning hours, the uh, Orionids are visible most of the night. Uh, actually, the radiant, which lies in the club of Orion just north of Betelgeuse, rises around 10 o'clock. So uh, that's that's when you want to go out. And you might see a few earth grazers. Mm. And it's best placed on the morning of maximum, which happens to be October twenty. First this year happens to be a Saturday morning, oh, and actually, perfect. actually, uh, the uh, IMO predicts the twenty second. So I, I I looked into it, and it and it's predicted to to peak right between the two at twelve hours on the twenty first. So I guess they kind of bumped it up a day, but <laughs> you know what? They are produce good rates for a solid week centered on those two. And it happens to be the 21st, 22nd lie on a Saturday and Sunday. So the, that's that's the two nights you want to target. But if you happen to have stormy weather during that, you can observe earlier, like between the 13th and 15th, or later, uh, such as the uh, 18th, I should say the uh, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Okay. The moon will be near its first quarter phase. So it will set about midnight. So those who want to go out and see any earth grazers as the gradient rises may have a little uh, moonlight to contend with. Okay. Now, for our new listeners, how do you identify an earth grazer? An earth grazer is a, a meteor that comes from the radiant when it actually is, is either below the horizon by about five degrees or very uh, uh, very low in the sky above the horizon by about five degrees. At that time, 
Meteors cannot penetrate into the atmosphere very far. So they tend to just graze the upper part of the atmosphere. This makes them last longer. Instead mm-hmm. of being a, a fraction of a second, they last two or three seconds. And instead of being maybe five degrees long, they'll be 50 degrees long. Oh, they wow. last a long time. Okay, so they're fairly de- easy to identify. Right. Now, for some reason, the, these tend to mostly be dim. But once you see one, boy, you'll never forget it because uh, you have time to follow it across the sky, your jaw drop, and say, wow, mm. I want to see more of those. <laughs> <laughs> now, meteors, I, I've noticed meteors are come in different colors. Very true. Very and true. And that, that identifies what the material that the meteor is made of? Mostly, mostly, okay. but it also indicates the speed. Oh, okay. Um, most of your fast meteors, such as the uh, Orionids and Leonids, tend to be bluish or or, uh, or greenish. Sometimes they even even pink. And what's that? That's caused more by the atmosphere than the actual material. Mm. Uh, when you, when when these shoot through the atmosphere, the atoms of nitrogen will glow. Will glow. Uh, I believe, believe it's green. I'm gonna add this backwards. Okay. Oxygen is 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 kind of a pinkish color. I might have that ba- backwards. Oxygen may be green. I've kind of forgotten that. But the the two main elements in our atmosphere, oxygen and nitrogen, will produce green and pink tints in these meteors. And it's most notable noticeable in, in uh, color photographs okay. uh, you'll actually see uh, sometimes both colors in it as the meteor slows down it'll it'll uh, illuminate one atom and then slow down and illuminate another so you'll have start, start out it'll be pink and then slow down to green really hmm. impressive hmm. but but for meteors such as the uh, the tarids who come in slowly they tend tend to be red or orange and and sometimes yellow so more toward the red end of the spectrum and we're, and the fast ones tend to be more toward the bluish end of the spectrum okay. all right and we've been seeing a lot of green fireballs lately and most everybody think it's copper but you'd be surprised that uh very few meteorites have ever been found that contain much copper it's actually the element nickel Hmm. That that creates that color because uh, a lot of uh, metallic meteors have a lot of uh, nickel in them. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So uh, yeah, co- colors is is often fascinating. So uh, yeah, well, it, it actually it, it's it's uh, it, it's fascinating, but not that important because. I've been with experienced observers, and we hardly ever agree on the same color. Oh, <laughs> I remember one fella; he was seventy-five percent of his meteors were green, yeah. and I was hardly seeing any color. And, and if it was, it was it was yellowish. So, uh, okay, I think the the color is pretty subjective. So, uh, okay. you know, it's always fun to to include that in your data, but uh, you know, we don't put a lot. Of, a lot okay. of importance on it. All right, it, 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 it's it's just it's just for for interest. Okay. <laughs> anyway, going back to the Orionids, they're active uh, most of no- uh, October and halfway through November, and like I said, they peak on the uh, the twenty uh, first and twenty second. Okay. And they uh, pretty much hit the Earth from a head on position, so they're very fast. 
and your bright ones will create persistent trains, which is like a, like a smoke trail after the meteor has disappeared. Hmm. Now, if you've ever seen one that that has lasted more than five seconds, you'll also see the uh, upper atmosphere contort these, and they'll, they'll turn into an S shape or looks basically like a snake. Huh. And uh, they're very interesting. There there are videos of persistent trains uh, on the web, and they're very very interesting. Wow! But to, but to be honest, the average Orionid meteor is only about third or fourth magnitude. So uh, I wouldn't expect too many of them. I wouldn't expect too many fireballs. And I would highly encourage anybody seriously want to see this shower to f- go to dark skies. Because uh, if, if, if the magnet, average magnitude is that dim, you're not going to see any, many from your backyard unless you're high up in the mountains and away from city lights. Okay. Now, if you're in a dark sky, how many can you expect to see in an hour? From dark skies, yeah. you could probably expect 20 to 25. Okay. All right. Uh, from your backyard, good. maybe 15 to 10. Okay. And uh, what, what I'm talking about is viewing between the hours of four and five of the morning when the uh, Orion and Radiant lies highest above the horizon. Okay. And the moon's completely gone. And the moon's completely gone, right. Okay. Um, as the radiant rises, a lot of the meteors will be uh, shielded by the by the horizon. You know, a lot of the other ones shooting downward. Mm-hmm. So, why they, those may be visible to folks to your east? <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not. You're not seeing a whole lot of activity. So, uh, your best bet to see the best activity is when the uh, the radiant lies highest in the sky, okay. and the Orionids get pretty high between that hour I mentioned. Uh, probably between 60 and 70 degrees in the south. And, uh, of course, that all depends on your latitude. If you're observing from Australia, it would be that high in the, in the north. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, to be honest, I think we get a better view of the uh, of the Orionids here because their uh, their night's not quite as long as ours is in October. So that that helps. Okay. Now, while you're out viewing Orionid activity, you may see some uh, slow meteors come from the area of Western Taurus or Eastern uh, Aries. Now, those are would be the Taurids. And last year, we had what was called a fireball swarm from the Taurids. And every night between, oh gosh, I would say October 15th through November 15th, we were receiving hundreds of reports from uh, from people all over the world seeing seeing fireballs. Oh my! It was just insane. My, you know, I normally process about a hundred a night, and there were some nights near the maximum activity where it was three and four hundred. Oh my goodness! Of course, if these occur during rush hour, <laughs> that certainly increases it. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, this year we're only going to see a few of the, of the fireballs because we're not expecting a swarm. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll get a minor swarm later this decade, and we're expecting a major one early in the 2030s. Now, how do you correlate when a storm is going to be coming? Well, they they can predict, and and when when the swarm of uh, particles from Enki's comet has passed close to Jupiter. Okay. When that occurs, that gravity of Jupiter will bump these particles closer to the Earth as 
when it swings through the inner inner solar system. So now that that has to also happen in the in the months of October and no, November. Uh, if that big swarm happens to pass near us in March or April, it's not going to do us any good because it's going to be on the other, other side of the sun. Okay. So this happens maybe once a decade. Okay. And last year was our big year for this decade. And like I said, I think it's the year 30, not 30, <laughs> 2033. Okay. That, uh, that's going to be the biggie for, for, for the next target swarm. Okay. So, but these, anyway, these meteors are slow, interesting, and you're bound to see a few, uh, you know, throughout the uh, the month of October and into November. Unfortunately, their maximum is is pretty well mooned by the uh, full mm. moon, which occurs pretty close to Halloween, which is one of the best times to see these tarred meteors. Uh. So uh, that's one one interesting thing to also keep an eye out for the uh, the tards, okay. and they're 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 best visible. Uh, a couple hours before the Orion, it's say between midnight two because they're located further to the west, okay. and they, and they can be basically seen all all night long. As I mentioned, a lot of people driving home that time of night seeing these these fireballs and recording them on their dash cams and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot but, of reports from dash cams. I do, and you wow. know what's actually more from dash cams are, are these ring doorbells. Oh getting lots of those yeah i see and, those on the news every once in a while yeah and to be be honest they're pretty sharp huh. uh they give, give a you know lots of detail on a lot of them are time, date and time stamps so you know when exactly yeah happened. yeah, yeah. And, and you can actually see fragmentation and everything the only thing is they'll only show you the fireball and not, and not the starry background mm. so <laughs> you don't know exactly where you're looking not exactly, okay. but uh, it, it's still very interesting. Huh. And uh, as long as these folks who report these fireballs give us give us their exact location, uh, and, we, and if we get enough of them, we can triangulate. Oh, there you go, and uh, find out uh, if, in fact, uh, you know where this thing passed. And unfortunately, uh, they're usually not meteorite producers, but uh, you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from a comet, the the materials very, very is like 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 cigar ash. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very fragile. I'm trying to say. Okay. So uh, I wouldn't expect to be able to pick up any fragments of uh, Inky's comet <laughs> anytime okay. soon. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we covered the Orionid uh, thing. Uh, we have one more shower we should discuss that peaks on the morning of uh, November 18th, okay. and that will be the Leonids. Okay. And the How's Leonids, that look this year? The Leonids uh, will peak on another weekend, which yes. is great. Mm-hmm. The moon, let me look at my calendar here. The five days old. So oh, the moon perfect. will be be a fat little crescent there Good. it sets probably about 10 or 11 just as the leonid radiant starts to rise excellent so that is good news and we're probably expecting between 10 and 15 leonids per hour at best okay. this shower uh rises around 11 to 12 
And it's best seen right before dawn when it lies almost overhead for a lot of folks. Okay. So what's notable about the Leonids is they're the fastest of the uh, strong, of the major annual showers. They're almost exactly hitting the Earth head on, and they uh, their velocity is 72 kilometers per second, which is about what, 40, 40-ish uh, miles per second. Oh, my. So that's uh, faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. That's funny. Okay, then. Uh, that's funny. So the Lenas are pretty much worth only watching on one night. Uh, we you know, pass through the core of it. Whereas the Orion, it's, you, you, you can watch for a solid week. You'll uh, see. There is an old, uh, I shouldn't say swarm, there an, an old orbit of the of the uh, Temple Tuttle co- comet okay. that's expected to pass close to the Earth on the twenty first at about four o'clock in the morning. Um, mm. So what we're expecting is the main maximum on the eighteenth, and then a drop off in activity, and then for an hour or two centered on at. That would be 4 a.m. Pacific time oh. on the on the 21st, which is perfect for us. Yeah, a little little early for the folks on the East Coast, but still, I would I would uh, recommend if your skies are clear that morning to go out and check it out. the uh, The rates to dip, I should say, increase from about five to fifteen or twenty, and then dip yeah. down once more as dawn breaks. So, oh, within uh, an hour, huh? All within an hour. Yeah, that's, that's how wild. that's how fast the Earth cruises through that material. Wow. So uh, that's fairly common with the Leonids because the, okay. that, their comet has been around so many times. There's all these ribbons of material that the Earth uh, intercepts. And uh, be honest, like I said, you know, 15 hours is not too exciting. Uh, the one we really care about is the main one, which is expected back in uh, 2023. Uh, we're not expecting any storms in, but uh, I will have to settle it for a couple hundred an hour, which is not too shabby. <laughs> That's not. So, folks, I hope uh, your weather cooperates, and yeah. we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll have articles on uh, on the ALPO website. Okay detailing uh, how and why and where you can observe these meteors from. And uh, you can send me an email. We have meteor forms that you can fill out. Fantastic. Or you can just simply uh, give me your general impression. Okay, now the uh, meteor forms are available on the ALPL website? Uh, yes, they are. Okay, and what I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes to your email address and all the other links that you talked about as well. Okay. So people can go there and get that. Sounds great. Great. And we have a big uh, one coming up in December, but we will get together then and talk about the Geminids. The Geminids uh, are going to peak under favorable conditions as long as the weather is good, which which is really a toss-up in Mm. December. Right. (laughs) We will will address that at that point. Great. Amen. Great. Well, we got anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? uh, whoever, uh, whoever, uh, folks, we have been out following this uh, comet Nishimura. Uh-huh. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, uh, it's they've calculated an orbit for that, and it's very similar to the minor shower known as the Sigma Hydrids, which are active at the same time as the Geminids. Oh, 
So they think those two are related. So it'd be interesting this year to see wow. if any of those meteors uh, will be an extra special uh, meteor shower this year. Yeah, more more than you know, more than they normally produce, so which is which is about five an hour. So, so that meteor shower. What's the name of that meteor shower again? Sigma, uh, in the Greek letter Sigma, Hydrids okay. from okay. the constellation to Hydra. It's quite close to the the head of Hydra. Okay. Which is a little box of stars, pretty faint, but uh, well known in the mythology. And the heart of the uh, serpent, uh, the star's name is Alphard, and it's a bright, uh, fairly bright orange star, which you can't miss. It's a mil- in the middle of nowhere. So that's something we'll have to look forward to. And uh, yeah, this year also- it's a pretty amazing comma right now, too. So it's. D- Definitely. I've seen it several times and uh, it hasn't cooperated uh, for my telescope because I have too many trees in that direction. Oh, I know. But I've had binoculars up and that's the best way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. And I've seen the the tail and it's very, very impressive. Yes, it is. Very good, Bob. On that note, uh, I wish you folks uh, clear skies and look forward to hearing from you. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast, Bob. My pleasure. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank Bob Lunsford for coming on the podcast and talking about the upcoming meteor showers. Please go out and observe and let Bob know what you saw. We upload new episodes of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please give us a rating and a review. I really appreciate it. You can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, Spotify, and also the podcast available on the ALPO YouTube channel. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can start by giving up to $35 a month, where you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits. With that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer, for their generous support. The link for Patreon is the link for the ALPO is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at @observersnbpod. And until next time, I hope you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>